Welcome to the Bible Preaching and Teaching Ministry of Dr. Douglas D. Stauffer. Dr. Stauffer currently serves as President of Key of Knowledge Ministries. He has thousands of hours teaching experience, 10 years serving in pastoral ministries, and has authored several books. One of Dr. Stauffer's most recent projects included his participation as consulting editor for Oxford University Press. He has also been the featured speaker on national and international radio broadcasts dozens of times. If you are interested in these or similar materials, you can contact us at www.mccowanmills.com. The Lord will probably have me preach on forgiveness because I opened this 1861 Confederate Soldiers Prayer Book. And I just haven't opened one up, and it's a prayer on forgiveness, which I'll read at some point during the message, Lord willing. I'll preach on forgiveness. Look in your Bibles at Acts 24. This is Paul speaking before Festus. And in verse 16, he says, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Paul said he exercised himself to have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. In other words, it takes work to have a conscience that's void of offense toward God and men. Now look in your Bibles at Matthew chapter 5. When Jesus came to the earth from heaven's glory, He changed some things about forgiveness and about relationships with others. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, the Bible says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? So he goes on to tell us that in the Old Testament, you didn't have to love your enemies. Matter of fact, Israel destroyed their enemies. But here in the New Testament, Jesus gives us a new commandment. He tells us to love our neighbors and love our enemies. He says to bless them that use you and curse you and hate you. I found out early in my Christian life that that wasn't always an easy thing to do. I remember in college I had a a guy that we rented an apartment from and he was very easy to hate. He sued everybody that lived in his little apartment complex. What he would do is run them off. But the thing was, he was a smart man. He had their parents sign the lease. So the kids would leave the apartment and tell their parents everything's okay. He would sue the parents. Well, we knew what he was doing, so we stayed in. We stayed the whole 12 months through the summer and everything. He couldn't get us like he got everybody else, but we watched him do it to one person after another. They wanted to go over to his house and destroy his house. I was Christian, but I wasn't living right, but I knew enough to know that I could not do that. 
I knew that the devil was trying to instill in me a hatred, an unforgiving spirit, and I fought it. That was also one of the first things that God dealt with me that I had the greatest problem dealing with. I had a guy that had done me wrong in the Air Force, and then I got saved. His name was Cody. I hated him before I got saved. After I got saved, I found out that I really still hated him, but I had to learn how to forgive him. So, he knew I was a Christian because I told everybody. I quit drinking, cussing, smoking. And everybody knew I was a Christian, but I wouldn't look him in the face. Every time he'd come by, I'd look away. I wouldn't talk to him. I wouldn't forgive him. God finally beat me up so bad and let me know that I wasn't going to be any good for him till I forgave Cody. One day I saw him in the hallway and I walked up to him and I said, you know I'm a Christian. He said, yeah, I heard. I said, I forgive you for what you did. I hope you forgive me for what I've done to you. He did. I don't know if he ever got saved, but maybe he did. Maybe the Lord would use that in his life. I know he used it in mine. I realized from that time forward that that was going to be a big deal with God. He tells in his word that unforgiveness is something that he's not going to use a person if they have that spirit within them. Turn your Bibles now to Romans chapter 12. You might wonder why you would preach on forgiveness. I preached on it in the mission many years ago, and I asked the people in the audience, I said, how many of you have a problem with forgiveness? Every single one of them raised their hand. The reason that I think we do is because it's one of the hardest things to deal with. It's not always outward. It's not always open. People don't always see it. But it can destroy your life and your usefulness for Christ. It can destroy a church. I've heard and read a lot, and I've read stories where unforgiveness has destroyed the work of a church. It quenches the Spirit. In Romans chapter 12, verse 17, Paul, speaking to us, says, "...the recompense to no man, evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men." Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. The five points I want to look at in this passage is first of all, that payback is never right. Secondly, live in peace with all men, if possible, with the Spirit's help. Thirdly, do not rejoice when God repays. Give place to God's action. Fourth, if your enemy does not repent of the evil, God will take care of them. And then the fifth one is, your good should always overcome another's evil. Hold your place here, but look in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The first verse in Romans 12 that I read, verse 17, says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. The consequences of unforgiveness. Payback is never right. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The Bible says there that the reason that you need to forgive is because if you don't forgive, Satan has an advantage on you. You open the doors wide open for him to come in 
and take control. And He will do it. I still remember, that was 14 or 15 years ago. I remember the hatred that I had. Even with the Spirit of Christ within me, I can remember the hatred that I felt. I could remember the unforgiving spirit that I had, just like it was yesterday. I heard a preacher that I know say once, what my policy is, I choose to forgive before somebody offends me. Well, I thought to myself, that sounds good. But you know, that's a good point. If you'd forgive your enemies or those that treat you wrong quickly, even to the point that there's no reason to forgive them because you don't hold a grudge, that'd be an amazing thing. In other words, you don't need to pray about it. You don't need to say, God, you want me to forgive them? God's already told you He wants you to forgive them. You don't need to pray about it. You may need to pray, and I may need to pray, God, give us the strength, give us the will, give us the way to do it. But you don't need to pray whether God wants you to forgive. If you don't forgive, and if I don't forgive, and we don't have a forgiving spirit, Satan has an advantage over us. The best time to learn how to forgive is when you're young. You don't learn how to forgive when you're young. It gets a whole lot harder when you build up a lot of tools and ways that you can use to keep that unforgiveness going. Consequence of your unforgiveness is Satan will have an advantage over you. Looking back at Romans 12, also turn to Colossians 3. Romans 12:17. And I'll read 18 also. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Looking at Colossians 3 to give you the description of what lies within you, look at verse 12. He says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. I can just say right there, easier said than done. It is, but it's in the Bible. We're commanded to do it, shouldn't we obey? Now, I tell people that I have dealt with in the past, especially at the mission of the farm, I tell them, I say, that verse says in Romans, if it be possible, as much as life in thee, live peaceably with all men. I tell them, I say, understand that it's not always possible for you to live peaceably with everybody. But you're to strive for that. It says, if it be possible, as much as life in you, what lies within us is the Spirit of God. How much of the Spirit of God comes out of you? As much as life in you, live peaceably with all men, if it be possible. I tell them down there, and I've told them in the past, it doesn't mean that you as a Christian are a wimp. I said, of all things Christians are, they're not wimps. You know, they've always been told, well, you've got to turn the cheek. I tell them, well, turn it, and if they hit you twice, hit back. I say, if it be possible, as much as life in you. Now, I use a different example. I say, if you come up and you try to harm my wife, it's not possible. You come up and you try to harm my kids. It's not possible. If you break into my home and I'm away, it's probably not possible. Probably just shoot you in the kneecaps and witness to you or something. If it be possible, as much as life in thee, live peaceably with all men. It's if it's possible. It doesn't mean Christians are wimps. I've had over the years to, to just pump it into them. Because you see, I don't have just Christians in an audience when I'm preaching. I have lost people. And I let them know real quick that this preacher isn't a fool. You're not going to come up and think that just because I'm a Christian, that puts a dotted line down my back. You choose whether you want the left or the right lane to run over me. 
what we've got to realize is that we are supposed to put on bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any other. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So when it comes to quarreling, you see, I went to the point I said, try to hurt my wife. That's not a quarrel. That's abuse. I'm a Yankee. You know, come down here to the South, you start off pretty low. I've been down here 10 years. I had not crawled up much. I guess I have been down here. Looking back at Romans 12 for the third point, the third verse says in verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Turn to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. In Proverbs 24, it tells you that you've got to give place to wrath. The reason that I think we as Christians do not see the workings of God upon an evil world is because we would rejoice over it too much. Proverbs 24 tells us our reaction, what it should be, should God's judgment have come upon somebody that's done us wrong. In Proverbs 24, verse 17, says, Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth. Let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. Lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. That verse says that when your enemy falls, or he stumbles, don't let your heart be glad. Because as soon as God sees that his actions are detrimental to your Christian walk, he's going to turn his wrath away from that person that probably deserves the judgment of God. That's why we don't see things go on in the United States anymore. Used to be a preacher could preach and you'd see the movement of God, but you want to know why we don't is because most of the time during the invitation, we're, we're all standing there going, boy, if I go forward, they'll think the preacher was talking to me. Or look who's going forward. One of the other reasons why I'm preaching on forgiveness is I read about Moody. Moody was leading the songs and Sankey was playing the organ and the piano. And Moody looked out and he saw a man come in that was a friend of his. And he said, just a minute, go on and play. And he walked, he, he walked down there and he had told Sankey before he left, he said, I met that brother in the town today and, and I said something that I shouldn't have said to him and offended him. I've got to ask him for, my, for forgiveness. Moody went out there. As he walked out, the man came out of the pew because he had sat down. He came out of the pew and met him halfway and he said, I forgive you. The story goes on that Moody came back up and they said there was a power that you just you couldn't imagine. Moody lived a life that he made sure that he had a conscience that was void of offense toward God and man. That's what we need. We need to forgive so quick that if your enemy comes up, it doesn't take you more than five seconds to say, I forgive you. By the way, you're looking at somebody that I was good at holding grudges. I could hold a grudge for months. I could not speak to somebody for months. Never in this church. Never down here. But I have done it in the past. And I've done it as a Christian. He said, you want to be used of God? You want to be used that much? you got to forgive. Turn back to Romans 12 and Proverbs 25. In Romans chapter 12, fourth verse I read in verse 20, says, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. In Proverbs 25, it goes a little bit further. 
Reading in verse 21, it says, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap holes of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. That's why I like that King James Bible. When you compare Scripture with Scripture, you can find out the whole counsel of God. If we don't forgive, not only does Satan have an advantage of us, not only can God's judgment not come upon the unrighteous, the ungodly, and those that are doing things outside the will of God, but we're not rewarded. We're rewarded when we give place to God and say, God, you take care of the situation. You just allow God to take care of some things. We need to just get out of some of the stuff. We just let God handle some things. We'll find out that things don't get so messed up. I know when I handle it in my power, it gets messed up. But when I back out and God handles the situation, I find out He sure does a lot better job than I do, and He doesn't do it the way I would do it. He doesn't ask me. He said, God, you handle it your way. He says, I will anyway. He doesn't need us to counsel Him. You ever wonder why you're saved? What are we? We're mere humans. Dust. God saved our souls from the devil's hell. What ought to do in return? Obey His book. One of the basics is forgiveness. Forgive your brother. Forgive your sister. Forgive your enemy. Forgive your friend. Forgive your neighbor. Whoever it is, forgive. I once told somebody, I said, I couldn't tell whether they were my friend, my enemy. It didn't matter. God told me to treat them all the same. He did. We're to treat them all the same. Turn back to Romans 12, verse 21, and then we'll look at Romans 12, verse 14. Romans 12, verse 21 says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Look at verse 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. It's not an always an easy thing to do, though. I don't stand up here as somebody that's got it all figured out, but I know when you turn over to Ephesians 4, Jesus tells us something about what He did. Ephesians 4, verse 32. It says, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So we're to forgive just like we're forgiven. If you ever let anybody to the Lord, a lot of them will tell you, well, I'm too bad to be forgiven. I've done too many things wrong. You tell them, no, God accepts you just like you are. He forgives you even when you're unlovable. He forgives you when you feel like you're unforgivable. He forgives you in the state that you're in. You say, well, wait a minute. Don't I have to make something right? Don't I have to work to get the forgiveness? No. Well, don't I have to? No. He forgives you just like you are. How are we to forgive others? Just like they are. Well, don't they have to come up and make it right with me? No. Don't they have to come up and apologize? No. Matter of fact, if you really want to do it right, you go and you tell them, hey, if I've done anything to offend you, I'm sorry. When somebody's done you wrong and you go up to them and you make the first move, if they're saved and that Spirit of God within them says, you better say something. You better turn and reciprocate. You better say something back because they are man enough and they are woman enough to come to you when you know you're the one that's wrong. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be in that situation. I've done something, and I've offended somebody, and I'd like to go and get it right. And I'm going to tell you, is I sometimes go home and I say, boy, that was a stupid thing to say. you got to realize, sometimes people say things, they don't always mean it. I found that the Bible tells us that Christians are not to be offended in anything. If you choose never to be offended, how in the world is anybody ever going to get your goat? 
That's what they called it whenever Eric came down here. He's just trying to get your goat. Determined after living with those guys for a couple of years, I didn't want anybody to get my goat. I left my goat tied up somewhere. Let me tell you, you live with about three or four guys in Bible college for a while, you start to take a few lumps and you realize that you learn to live a little bit. You don't take everything so serious. Don't listen to what everybody says. Don't worry about it. Somebody says something bothers you, just let it go. And if it starts bothering them that they said it to you, that's between them and God. Maybe they'll come back to you. But you don't have to worry about it. Just let the thing go. Don't take everything so serious. I look back at the example of David, and I've got verses written down here, but I'll just give you what I what my thoughts were. Saul's jealousy. You ever think of David's reaction? When Saul threw the javelin, I read a book recently, it's The Tale of Three Kings, tremendous book. I read it three times. I finally read it the third time, put it on tape because it wasn't my book, and I've listened to the tape. My wife's listened to the tape. It's a tremendous book. Everybody in here ought to find a way to get The Tale of Three Kings. It talks about David. Very well thought out. You know, he throws the javelin at David, but it's just a story being retold as though it really had happened. And this is later on. I guess he looks at Joab and he says, you know, well, Joab, what should I have done? Well, just for somebody to ask, well, what should you do when somebody throws a javelin at you? Well, obviously what you do is you take it out and you throw it back. But the fact that this story went on that David had to ask showed a man of tremendous character. When Saul was trying to kill him, all those men that were with David told him, kill him, set us free. God's delivered him into your hands. Boy, they got spiritual on him. God's delivered the anointed of the Lord in your hands to snuff them out. David didn't kill him. You want to see somebody after God's own heart? You go back in that Old Testament and you read about David and you'll see a man that forgave. Also a man that admitted when he was wrong. When Nathan came to him, he looked at Nathan and he said, I have sinned. He didn't make excuses like Saul did. David wasn't perfect. He committed adultery. He murdered a man, Uriah the Hittite. Sure, it cost him. But the reason he was a man after God's own heart is because he was somebody that knew how to forgive. He was somebody that had character. Somebody that wanted to serve God and please God and do the will of God. And when God put it in his heart to build the temple, he got the things prepared for the next generation. He didn't say, well, God, I'm going to do it on my own. No, he did what God told him to do. How about Saul's demotion of David? You don't see David turning around and taking things out on Saul. Saul's broken promise to become the son-in-law of Saul. When Saul conspires to kill David, when Saul kills the innocent priest, Doeg killed the priest for Saul. When Saul lies about trying to kill David again, remember that? He stands up there in the cave says, you know, I'm not trying to kill you. One of the most frustrating things when people lie to your face. But you know, David, David didn't seek out vengeance on Saul. David didn't take it into his own hands. He didn't look at it and say, well, now i got my justification to handle it the way I want to handle it. No, he just said, God, Saul's yours. And he wrote another psalm. And then every time you read one of those psalms, you read about somebody that lived life, that served God, that knew how to forgive. Not many people learn how, I'm afraid. It's a hard lesson to learn because, you see, we have our rights. We need to learn how to forgive. Look at Luke 23. I want to read this prayer to you and then I want to close on Luke 23. Can you imagine the civil war? Brother fighting against brother. Family against family. 
And I got this when I was up in Gettysburg. Tremendous place to go. It says, a prayer for our enemies. It says from the same writer, O oh God, we beseech Thee, forgive and pardon our enemies. Give us that measure of Thy grace that for their hatred we may love them. For their cursing we may bless them. For their injury we may do them good. And for their persecution we may pray for them. They have laid a net for our steps. They have digged a pit before us. Lord, we desire not that they themselves should fall into the midst of these, but we beseech Thee, keep us out of them, and deliver, establish, bless, and prosper us for Thy mercy's sake in Jesus Christ our Savior, to whom with Thee and Thy Holy Spirit we desire to consecrate ourselves and our country, now and forever, imploring Thee to be our God, to make us Thy people. Amen. That's a Confederate soldier's prayer book. We don't know anything about forgiveness. People on the other side trying to kill him literally. And they pray that. We don't understand forgiveness. What did Jesus say on the cross? Forgive them for they know not what they do. Look at Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. The greatest example of forgiveness in all of time is our Lord and Savior on that cross. And He turns and He looks out there at those people and He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I wonder if we knew how much problem we caused by our unforgiveness, what we would do about it. I wonder if we knew how we quenched the Spirit through our unforgiveness, what we would do about it. I wonder if we knew what the judgment seat of Christ was going to be like, what we'd do about it now. I look out and, you know, we not many of you know what happened at the mission, why we left. We had a guy down there that just didn't want the Bible there anymore. I was president of the board of directors and I stepped down and did not accept the nomination. And I knew that there would probably be some consequences of it. And when I did that, the uh, director down there decided that you know, he just didn't want that preaching down there anymore. Right after I left, he got up with a living Bible and read 12 verses out of the living Bible in church service. He didn't care about that Bible. But you know, I don't hold any grudges against him. I don't hate him. The devil could really use that. I preached down there 10 years. I'm not preaching down there right now. I still preach up at the farm. That's the greatest blessing. Everybody that goes up there is a Bible-believing preacher. Brother Wade goes up there. Tremendous ministry up there. Tremendous change in the people. But you know, I could allow that thing to build up a hatred within me. I could easily get back at him. Do you know what I know God wants me to do? Give place to Him to handle it. You pray for me. You pray for me that I'll do that. Because it's not, not an easy thing. If you are interested in these or similar materials, you can contact us at www.mccowanmills.com. That is M-C-C-O-W-E-N-M-I-L-L-S dot com or through the mail at P.O. Box 1611, Millbrook, Alabama 36054 or by calling 334-285-6650. Orders can be placed online or by calling toll-free at one 866 344 1611